the I think the the biggest thing I try to point back to for young kids because I kind of start there, like getting their their minds right, is that it, there is a daily discipline to this thing. Like no matter what it is that you're chasing, there has to be some sort of deposit that you're willing to put in on a day to day. You know, and and I think that there was the biggest lesson that I learned from my father when I was coming up and when, you know, cause you're going to face adversity, but you're also going to have success And those pivotal moments there. Those are the situational awareness that you have to have um, as someone that's able to look down the road and build a goal for yourself and build something that you want to work towards. If you find success, are you going to let go of the gas pedal a little bit and then take those next few days? If you find failure, or are you going to let go of the gas pedal because you're deflated and you don't the, the great ones? And I always try to look back to Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Kobe Bryant, just the assassin mentality. Like if you just look at what they did, it was always back to every single day. I'm doing something. I'm chipping away. I'm building a routine. I have discipline about how I how I go about my business. That was a big thing that Kirk instilled in us. You got to have a routine. You got to have a day to day. You got to have something you have to have some sort of filter for mistakes. And, and that was a big piece, like have a filter for mistakes so that you can acknowledge those mistakes, correct those mistakes, and then also have a way as a teammate to bond closer to those that are around you. I think those two lessons I try to bring back to the young kids is like have some sort of filter that is making you aware of your mistakes you're humbled by them, but you're excited that you're actively able to correct those mistakes. And then at the same time, just draw closer together as a team as you move through the season, because that's your only hope. Mm. Like as it gets closer to the to when we're trying to get to that climax of the season, if you're not tight as a team, there's absolutely no chance. Like people talk about that 9 team. If there's one thing where they're like, yeah, there's a lot of talent, but I think even beyond the talent, because a lot of teams are talented, there was just a cohesion there that I don't even know if I could put words on it. It was just something that we all felt, something that we all worked off of. And that I think was the cornerstone that allowed us to go ahead and have success. So, you know, having a filter for mistakes, being aware of, you know, what you're doing wrong and how you can do it better. That is a part of those daily deposits and that tracking and that discipline, and then finding a way to be a better teammate. You know, however you have to facilitate that, it might be different for a freshman, it may be different for the 15-year coaching vet. You know, they each have a certain way that they're going to have to handle themselves to benefit that team, and you have to kind of find that role and then let it ebb and flow as you kind of go through your career. How do you get teams to, to find that cohesion that you found? Like you said, you talked about the 09 team. How, how have you seen it in college and in uh, the NFL? Yeah, I think, you know, the for like a strength coach, for someone, that, you know, like Doyle was always, he was there. Like that was the guy we were with all the time. And you, you do team building stuff. I mean, it's, you know, as simple as it, it, it sounds, and I see that happening. Our high school team did it. We did it at, at Iowa where you would literally draft teams and you would build little squads and then you would compete. And I think maybe that's the, you know, the, the umbrella, the overarching word that you're looking for is putting yourselves in competitive situations where y you have a chance to be tested and you have a chance to rise to the occasion in front of your brothers so that there is a respect factor there. But then you also have that opportunity when when a, when one of your brother falters or, or we fail, there's a chance to kind of pick them back up and, and put your hand on their back and say, hey, it's OK. You know, where sometimes I think 
if we're just exercising together, we're just kind of looking at our car and we're walking around doing our sets, yada, yada, yada. Like, okay, yeah, see a high five. Maybe we have lunch together and then we go our separate ways. But the second that you bring like some sort of competitiveness, inner squad competitiveness, now you have at least gotten as close to the sort of situational awareness that will show itself on Saturday. You know, and that was what I think Doyle and Kirk were trying to prepare us for was that no matter what we do in these workouts and in these practices, there's still like a learning curve for Saturday on the sidelines that you do just have to go through it. But they got us as close to that as possible by just everything was, it was one way, it was the Iowa way, it was a brotherhood, it was culture, it was these words that were being used over and over again. And there was these actions and these, these things that you would go through as a player um, in the off season. And then when it got to Saturday, the coaches backed it up. The coaches, it was the most uplifting, positive environment I could have ever imagined on a sideline Saturday in Kinnick. And, and, and I know that because I tested the positivity a, a few times, you know, like in, when we played in Indiana, the Halloween yeah, game. Yeah, like yeah. if there's a time to lose patience, maybe it's then, right? And it, there wasn't. though. And I, and I point back to that game because it just, it starts top down, starts with Kirk. He handled himself a certain way, and then ba-boom, ba-boom. Everybody else handled them, themselves that way at the same time. So I think there's just this preparation in the offseason. I really like the team-building stuff because you have to be in competitive environments because it brings something else out of it. It puts conversations on the table that just aren't going to happen if we're just kind of going through the motions as a team together. That's no different than if we're sitting in a classroom learning social studies together. You're not going to bond with that person across the desk or across the way, you don't have nothing there that you're in, that you're going for together. So clearly, lay out the you know the, the the goals that you have for your squad. We can all relate to them, and then we go and compete for those goals together. How does NLI affect that though? Because hearing you say that, it's, yeah, it's almost like okay, well, why don't they do that in the pros? And then it's like okay, well then, <laughs> does it still work in the NLI world of today? You know, it's a, it's a great point, and I think that it's a, it's a new layer to this, and it's something that we'll all have to, walk, to work through and, and keep a close eye on as it, as, it, as it unfolds, because we really just don't know. You know, it's almost in a sense that college is turned into pro. You could easily make that case, that the college levels is just, it's now what the USFL in the XFL, like it's Water kind of that idea, like it's... <laughs> Now it's, you know, you, like they were working hard to build that. And I always thought that was a great idea, a minor league of sorts. And it's still valuable because there's just the roster bubble is so tight in the NFL that you do need people. When guys are on the couch, you need a spot for them to cultivate and grow. And you're seeing a lot of XFL and USFL guys get opportunities. And I think that's beautiful. And that's a spot that was missing from NFL that is clearly set up in the NBA, the NHL, and the MLB. But now from a college standpoint, What's even more interesting is it's not even just college now. High school kids are worth millions. Really? Grade school kids might be worth millions based off of social media and stuff. So it's like, it's one of these things that like, I don't know. I don't know if, if it's going to create more urgency for a coach to create culture. I think that teams like an Iowa, a Clemson, an Ohio State, an Alabama, they have such rich tradition. There's so much culture that goes into college football. I think what benefits you here with this situation is that we know that pageantry, that culture, that tradition of amateur, and it is in our culture just as like the general population for now. 
And I do think that those traditions of college football are still going to be upheld. And I think that those traditions are what the young kids can buy into and still have the benefit of the NIL and all those things. I, I thought a, a, a good idea was brought up to me by LeVar Woods. Obviously, you know LeVar. The man. Um, LeVar the man. is the, the legend. You guys don't know who he is, I mean, LeVar, I reached, I, I reached out to him in January or December of last year, like – the, I mean, if there's anybody that could be the next head coach, like you said, KS yes. is a legend. But, like, who would be better to replace him than LeVar? But yes. That's, that's an aside, sorry. Yes. No, no, we, we had to take a chance to, to love on LeVar there for a second. He's, you know, an outstanding coach. He played in the NFL. He had brought up a good point. This was back, way back when, if you remember when, I think it was like a Northwestern quarterback started to poke at this, like, hey, college kids should be paid situation. And he got lapped off the stage. But I think he started that. NIL conversation and he kind of was the you know he he, he laid on the on the on the sword there for for everybody else and, and started the conversation it was almost laughed at by the NCAA but LeVar brought up a good point is what if you could sign deals what if you could broker deals you could do all this stuff of the NIL but it went into a fund that you then were able to tap into once you graduated once you went through your cycle so now you're able to build this wealth and then you can grab that wealth when you're in a better position, not only mentally, you but you kind of need it more. Yeah, you probably need it more. And it's it would still be challenging at that point because I've seen this in the NFL where young you're still a young man. Like, you don't know that you don't know anything in college until you're out of college. <laughs> like, you're out of college, like, whoa, I was a baby. Like, I didn't know anything. And then even first three, four years in the pros, I was a baby. I didn't know anything. And this money situation is tricky because now it's 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 – you're getting it even younger, and it was already a problem when NFL guys were getting the money at 22, 23. That's why they got rid of that, right? Yeah, now you're getting it at 18, 19, possibly 17. So we're used to, as a society, accumulating wealth as we go through the stages of our lives. We gain more awareness. We have a wife. We settle down. We buy a house. We have some kids. You get perspective as you're getting money. Now you're young, and you don't quite have perspective yet, but you have a lot of money. So you could make poor decisions. I think maybe that's what everybody's biggest fear of the NIL is. That, I know that's my fear because at the same time, I think these guys should get paid. I mean, I really do. Like selfishly, I would have loved to see what the NIL did for me when I dropped Love It or Leave It. As like, a strength coach, you know how much I would have loved or how much I love it? It's like, hey, wait a minute. The walk-on kids or the kids that need money and it's like you can actually sleep and rest and hopefully get paid with your brand just from an endorsement yeah. deal or filming some commercials. And now you don't have to train at a weird time in the summertime or any of this other stuff because you've got it taken care of. Like, love it. Yeah, there was a lot of errors. There was a lot of holes in that gap. Like, And they were just kind of living off of the – well, amateurism, it's pure, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's this, and you I think we're around with the bagel rule though, back when you could have a bagel as a snack, but if it had cream cheese, it was a meal. Like you were around. 